The horses are at the gate. And they're off. Welcome to Winning Ponies. With the weekend coming up, this is the spot to be for news, handicapping, and spotlights featuring the winners behind horse racing today. Now, here's your host, John Inglehart, racing's regular guy. All right, thanks for joining us. It is going to be a fun-filled show. Uh, just so many stakes, we had to bring in a a, a third guest. Uh, so, uh Heading up the show, uh, we're going to have Ed Meyer right out of the gate talking about uh, the big Santa Anita Derby, some of the stars that won't be there, and some of the rising stars that will, and also the Santa Anita Oaks. Short field, but a great rematch with the addition of a mystery horse in there. And then we got Eclipse Award winning writer Marty McGee from the Daily Racing Forum. He was at Keeneland today, and of course he'll be there through Bluegrass Day and catch us up on the major races there. And then our smooth as silk on air handicapper from the Daily Racing Forum, Dan Illman will round out the trifecta, and he's going to take a look at the Wood Memorial, the Gazelle, and the Carter Handicap. All right, let's get right to it, folks. I want to get Ed Meyer on. Of course, the big race of the weekend. Hope you were uh, watching it instead of mowing the lawn, and it came on around noon. 1240 actually the 25th running of the dubai world cup and while it wasn't the biggest powerhouse field it was the american horse mystic guide making only his eighth lifetime starts louis sayez in the saddle for michael stidham just blew their doors out and took home the winner's share of $12 million. Second was a Japanese horse, Chua Wizard. And third was Magni Colors. Uh, so that was a look at the Dubai World Cup. Hope you had a chance to catch it. Then uh, here uh, on our homeland, the Florida Derby. It was the Curlin Florida Derby. Only right that it would be won by a son of Curlin. Known agenda, Todd Pletcher gets his sixth win in the Florida Derby. So uh, the, 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 the time... Uh, was a quick one. It was a new Gulfstream Park record. Known agenda, son of Curlin. Look for him. Of course, the Fortified Favorite Greatest Honor uh, just didn't get into his giddy up till it was too late. Ended up finishing third behind 12 to 1 shot soup and sandwich. A Cassie trainee making only his third lifetime effort. In the Gulfstream Park Oaks, big points race. Crazy, beautiful. Got the job done for Kenny Mick peak over Lenlo Lady. So uh, crazy beautiful. Kenny's loaded for bear this year, that's for sure. And uh, then we are going to, uh, oh, I'm sorry, folks, I missed my second page. That was over Milfier was second in that race. And, and then uh, a guy that was there to watch it as a racing official, it was the Jeff Ruby Stakes, a big, points in here and the winner was at six to one like the king uh drayden van dyke substituting for rafael bayerano who went to another mount sorry about that rafael uh 
Gerardo Corraldas, who ended up being the leading rider of the meet, rode Sainthood, put in a huge close, objected against the winner, but nah, baby, nah, Ed can tell us nothing happened there. And third was Hockey Dad, a Doug O'Neill trainee. And with us right now, a man who was at the Jeff Ruby Steaks, a man that's no stranger to eating a steak at Jeff Ruby Steakhouse, my friend Ed Meyer. Ed, how you doing? Hey, John, how's it going? It's going good. It's going good. This has been a power-packed, uh, you know, time of the year to to, to be ha- handicapping uh, all these races. And as you would, uh, and when you had the uh, top chair in this uh, microphone, uh, want to talk about the easy win forms real quick because with all this racing, we're all going to need all the help we can get. And the easy win forms from WinningPonies.com will get you there. This is not an April Fool's joke. We had a $1 Super 5 key today, (laughs) and it paid $1,647 at Gulfstream Park. You can go to the site and read all the results. We don't make them up. They're all right there, win, lose, or draw. Ed, real quick, uh, a a race that uh, uh, has impacted the Kentucky Derby at least on one occasion. Uh, I'm not sure what it was called at the time, but Animal Kingdom was the winner uh, who went on. But the good news is uh, no longer do we have the poly track. Now we've got the Tapetta, and this was a Tapetta-loving horse like the King uh, that got the job done for none other than Wesley Ward. Very impressive. They traded a little paint right about the 316s, Paul John, but to be really honest with you, it, it it looked like one of those occasions where riders are really going for the money, and sometimes they see things uh, a, a little more closely when the big money is on the line. Uh, when when it all came out, the stewards did a remarkable job. No action taken on this one here. Like the King did a remarkable job. Drayden Van Dyke, DVD as I call him, he uh, he come rolling down the middle of the lane. Actually, broke his maiden, I believe, on the turf at Belterra. Now, uh, I know that uh, Gary Stevens has taken over the book of one of the top riders in the West Coast. Uh, was that Flavian Pratt or Drayden Van Dyke? I believe it was Drayden Van Dyke. I, I, I heard that Gary was actually picking it up, and, and actually, I was watching it on TVG, and we had a storm passing through the area, and the lights went out and lost everything. And so I was really looking forward to hearing what Gary getting back in the game. It's, you know, the the width and breadth of what he can bring to the table is, is just only going to, you know, pro- propel the next rider right up to the top of the top of the list. He knows the connections and uh, I'm really looking forward to seeing, you know, Gary's uh, Gary ply his trade and, you know, get back in the game. A great guy for the game and, and a good guy all around. All right. Well, let's play a little bit of jeopardy here, Ed. What do these horses have in common? Swaps, Silky Sullivan, Affirmed, Winning Colors, AP Indy, California Chrome, I'll Have Another. Your answer? Hmm. Oh, wow. Uh, that, that is a lot across the board there. Uh, I, I, I'm drawing a blank. You've got to help me on this one. I'm, I'm, I really, I went, I went over on you. I, I swung and missed. They all won the race I'm asking you to handicap next, the Santa Anita <laughs> Derby. <laughs> Yeah, in, in fact, it seems like yesterday for some. But you know, as the years are, years are starting to drift on by pretty quickly, eighth race, the Santa Anita Derby. Uh, John, there's a big record on the line. Uh, Bob Baffert is going for his tenth 
his 10th Santa Anita Derby. This yes. is the 84th running, first run in 1935. And it's a big Kentucky Derby points qualifying race, 100 points to the winner. And Bamford's looking for his 10th, his 10th winner overall, which is ultra impressive. And you know he's going to be going for the uh, going for the wall in here. I'll tell you what, you go first and tell me who you like, and I'll give you mine. Well, you know, I mean, I, I, I've been a fan of, of Medina Spirits all along, ever since I ran, saw him run uh, a uh, gaining on Life is Good in the Sham Stakes, when Life is Good was starting to give us signals that maybe something wasn't right there. And I really liked him there. Then he came right back uh, and won the uh, uh, Bob Lewis stakes at Santa Anita over a pretty tough field. Roman Centurion and Hot Rod Charlie, winner of the Louisiana Derby, were in there. Then, of course, he runs into his stablemate again. He got stopped in the San Felipe. But as we know, life is good as on the sidelines. So this has got to be Baffert's number one horse. And he's taking a shot with defunded Mike Smith in the saddle for this third-time starter. You know, I, I keep I keep looking around at this. I've changed my mind twice, and, and I keep coming back to the same runner over and over again, and that's Rock Your World. And both of them are Spoli, who's winning 24% of the time. Very lightly raced cold of Candy Ride, only two starts. An impressive maiden victory going six on the turf, and then comes back in the Pasadena going a mile on the turf. Now, John Sadler wins 22% going from the Greensward back to the dirt, which is impressive. And John, a lightly raced colt by Candy Ride. If he's making this, if he's pulling the button right now, I'm kind of leaning in this direction. Veronis Racing LLC, I really think that there there's some underlying things that I think we really know. And there's a there's an incredible workout, a bullet workout, 59-1 handily, the best of 82 out at Santa Anita. I, I, this would be three in a row for Rock Your World. Alberto Rispoli, four to one. John Sadler. I mean, these guys are winning 18% as a team. Rispoli's one of the best finishing riders out there in the one of the toughest rider colonies in the country. But I'll tell you what, I'm, I'm going to play uh, a little bit of uh, the spoiler here. I'm going to go with Rock Your World to kind of not upset the apple cart, but just kind of shut up a little bit. All right, Ed. Well, uh, we, we got three minutes to talk about a short field, but it looks like there's a lot of upside to a couple of horses in here. If you got a chance to watch the Santa Yazabel, if I'm saying that right, you saw a great race that for a while looked like the horse breaking from the inside. Your boy Raspoli up uh, was going to get the job done, was on top by a length and a half in mid stretch, but coming on beautifully with John Velasquez in the saddle, who will be in the saddle again, is beautiful gift trained by some guy by the name of Bob Baffert. Both look really good, but I'm actually, I'm going to kind of be the spoiler again. I'm going to go to number four, Javonica. I knew it. I knew it. I knew it. Did I, did I, did I get bots there? Did I get, uh, is it Javonica? I, I have no freaking idea, but all I could say is when I'm, looking down, when I'm looking down at my daily racing form, I've just got mystery horse ridden by him. <laughs> and, 
Well, it, here's that's the best part of the him, mystery. By him will be a guy by the name of Mike Smith. So uh, uh, interesting selections. Going to have to make that switch, though, to, to dirt. But, boy, uh, uh, Owen Hardy's put, put him through a series of uh, stout workouts, not bullets. But, uh, you know, this horse looks like uh, he, he's going to have no problem with the main track there. It's going to be an interesting race. Again, a short field. So uh, you're going with the... Whatever we call this, or Javanica, or make up a name, we'll listen to the announcer. Um, I, I, I got to give the edge to Johnny V and, and, and beautiful gift, just the way it, it ran down Mraz. And Mraz is going to break from the one hole, so uh, probably going to be asked to go on a little bit on, out of there. Though the two horses just was outside uh, aren't the fastest. But anyhow, Ed, listen, thanks for stepping in. I, I wanted to cover so many races, and there's only so many that Marty McGee and Dan Elman can cover. And uh, you know, I, I want to get them both to cover their home turf. And I know your home turf is the globe, so I have no problem asking you about any race, anywhere, anytime, Ed. He may have already bailed on me. In that case, we're going to go to break, and when we come back, we're going to talk to Eclipse Award-winning writer and a man who's settled in at Keeneland, none other than Marty McGee. Streaming live, the leader in Internet talk radio, voiceamerica.com. And they're off! What? Can't make it to the track? You can still get all the action with winningponies.com, the home of the easy win form. The most accurate predictions on thoroughbreds, quarters, and Arabian horses at most American and Canadian tracks. Whether it be the Triple Crown, Breeders' Cup, Travers, Haskell, or your daily races, don't worry. Let winningponies.com make some money for you. Stimulating talk gets those synapses in the brain firing really fast. All the time. The number one Internet talk station where your opinion counts. VoiceAmerica.com You're tuned in to Winning Ponies with your host, John Englehart, racing's regular guy. The phone lines are open and are toll-free. 1-866-472-5788 or send us an email at show at winningponies.com John and our guests are looking forward to hearing from you have any tips or comments you'd like to share any questions we would be happy to answer contact us now back to the show Winning Ponies with John Inglehart. All right, and back with us, one of our favorite guests. He's he's all over the place. Of course, uh, his name, I've already told you, is Marty McGee. If you see him at Churchill Downs, feel free to go, go up and give him a big old kiss because he got his Johnson & Johnson vaccination on the backstretch of River Downs today. Welcome, COVID-free Marty McGee. Hey, John, how are you? I actually had COVID back in December and uh, the 90 days were up. So my girlfriend and I went to the back side of uh, Churchill Downs today and got the got the one shot deal. And uh, we're, we ought to be set. That's great that they're providing this. Is that is that for everybody that's got a license on the backstretch? Well, I don't know, because uh, you know, my brother just forwarded me the email and last night. And so we signed up. And boy, man, it was really efficiently run. And uh, 
Yeah, so it's a good deal. I, 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 hopefully, John, within a few months, we're not going to be talking about the, the stupid COVID. I know, I know. <laughs> We've all had enough of it. But I'm just glad that uh, you, you're one and done, got it behind you. I got seven days to go. And so, yeah, and end of that conversation. Uh, it's kind of a shame you're back in Kentucky because that beautiful tan that you got while you were covering uh, all the racing down at Gulfstream for the Daily Racing Forum is slowly going to wane away. But that's neither here nor there. Uh, after this uh Opening day uh, chill we got supposed to be pretty nice over the weekend down there in the bluegrass. Yeah, it is. Uh, I'm in actually Georgetown, Kentucky, right now, and it was man, it was it, it was uh, flurrying today and and uh, really cold, biting cold this morning. I think it was sub freezing actually, and the the uh, high temperature tomorrow for Keeneland is only supposed to be 46, and then on Saturday, which of course will run the bluegrass and all those other graded races. The high is only going to be 58, but starting Sunday, I think uh, spring is going to arrive here in the bluegrass. I hope so. I stayed in Georgetown myself last week when I went to uh, Gus Cook's funeral uh which was a, a just a beautiful ceremony for a great guy but that's a that's a really cute little town there's no doubt about it and not too far from keeneland well marty a, a race that the both of us have have watched numerous times over the years the toyota bluegrass is coming up and as you know this race uh when they went to that synthetic track it lost a little bit of its shine and in so uh hard to believe that the bluegrass is not a grade one i my opinion, it's only a matter of time before the horses, this race is back to being a grade one, but it's a grade two. I'll still run for $800,000, no matter what the grading is, but let's face it, everything you read, whether it be in the daily racing form or whatever your choice of uh, racing news is, it's pretty much essential quality versus the world in here. Yeah. Well, my, my, my publication, John of Choice, is daily racing form for sure. <laughs> but yeah, I know uh, writing, that writing about the the bluegrass, uh, which would have been yesterday, Wednesday for Friday, um, uh, I wrote. Actually, I wrote it today for. Yeah, I get my days mixed up with all these things. Um, today for Saturday was that uh, essential quality will be carrying not just the 123 pounds, but the hopes of Go Dolphin, which made it you know, nearly a quarter century ago, their stated goal to go on and win the Kentucky Derby. And uh, Keeneland is uh, essential quality is also carrying the hopes of Keeneland because they want this race to be restored to its former uh, lofty prestigious spot uh, on the, on the road to the Kentucky Derby. So I think essential quality could go a long way in uh, helping to do that. Uh, He's three to five on the morning line, post four in a field of nine, and uh, Louis Saez, who only last Saturday won the $12 million Dubai World Cup on Mystic Guide for Go Dolphin, um, will be aboard. So it's, uh, I think the one thing about this race, John, in particular, is there's not a lot of speed in this race at all. But Essential Quality, having broken his maiden going six furlongs on Derby Day last September, not last May, last September, uh, you know, I think he has enough of a turn of foot to go on and be a, a major factor here from the very start. So essential quality, if he wins, he's got to be the Kentucky Derby favorite. Uh, and that would put both uh, Godolphin and Keeneland in a good spot to say, hey, the bluegrass, we're back. 
Well, you know, th- this horse fits the quintessential handicapping 101. Uh, does the horse like the track? Yes, he's only raced on it twice in in grade one stakes races and won them both. Has he had a recent start? Well, he was out in February and proved that he hadn't lost any of his moxie and he just kicked clear of everybody in the Southwest. Brad Cox said, all right, let's relax a little bit. Then we'll wind him up at the fairgrounds. Uh, comes in off uh, one work back, a bullet work uh 59 at the fairgrounds which you know is a track that uh gets horses uh really fit and ready to run so i think cox has done a great job of course Tappet may have three or four horses or sons of Tappet uh, in the Kentucky Derby. So, Marty, in the, in the bluegrass, I got a feeling it, it, it's a race where uh, we, we go vertical and not horizontal. Uh, what are you looking at underneath? There are a couple of horses in here that, uh, you know, have stayed with them. Uh, keep in mind, certainly comes to mind. Uh, if you can, you know, we just didn't fire in the Rebel. Uh, he's fared well. Uh, at uh, Keeneland, but sad to say he's run into essential quality both times. Yeah, he has. You know, keep me in mind, it was rather disappointing, I thought, John, uh, in, in his comeback in the, in the Rebel. And moreover, given, again, that there's not much pace in this race, he's probably at a disadvantage being come from behind type that he is. So um, I love a place horse in here, and that's number one, Hidden Stash, who really ran a Big race down at Tampa. I uh, happened to be, you know, I was in, in Gulfstream all winter, and uh, one of my assignments when I'm down there every year is to go over to Tampa, usually for the Sam Davis, but I didn't go over uh, for the Sam Davis this year because of the um, because of the COVID situation. But I did go over all of Tampa Bay Derby Week. This horse looked like a dead winner at the eighth point, and somehow he got beat when uh, he came back, but I thought, oh, in all, John, it was a, a terrific effort. He's paired up a couple of 83 buyer speed figures. He's got the rail. I think it is ice cold 4-1 in the bluegrass on Saturday. Yeah, and I see that uh, uh, Victoria Oliver, who I know also rides this horse, rode this horse this morning for a gallop over the Keeneland Strip, um, Really likes Rafael Bayarano, as do I do. And the horse looks like he's got a really high turn of foot. I mean, in that Tampa Bay Derby, it was a 12-horse field. Uh, he was 10th at the second call and still only missed by three-quarters of a length. Rafael Bayarano went down for that race at Tampa, and he'll be in the saddle here. So uh, you, you're not going to get much of an argument out of me, uh, you know. Uh, I, I say that they, they passed on the Ruby with this hush of a storm, but it's a horse who's really had most of his success on synthetic tracks. So I don't know how that's going to, that that's going to transfer. And, uh, you know, I, I like, uh, Chad Brown's horse, highly motivated, but you talk about no speed. This horse just can't get out of the gate, bumped at the break, veered in at the start, broke inside and bobbled <laughs> his last four running lines. Yeah. But if he gets away, he's, absolutely going to be the front runner in here, John. And, you know, he's never gone the two turns before. So that, that kind of start going, uh, going short kind of translating to something different when they're going the nine furlongs that they are. So I look for Javier Castellano to try and take some initiative, highly motivated. You would think has to be the, the race leader for a long way, essential quality and hidden stash behind him. And I think once they come down the stretch, it's going to be essential quality 
proving superior with a hidden stash second and highly motivated third. So four one three for me. You know, Marty, I, I rewind in time when uh, the, the highly successful trainer, Karen McLaughlin, and the powerful Barney had that he decided to retire to become a jockey agent. But he became Louis Saez's jockey agent. It looks like he had a crystal ball. I mean, they've done nothing but win ever since. Yeah. I mean, um, you know, if you do the math on uh... – if you do the math on the Dubai World Cup, twelve million dollars. Let's say that's six million to the uh, winner. That's six hundred thousand the winning jock. So if, uh, if Kieran's getting thirty percent, that's one hundred eighty thousand he made right there. So that it takes quite a bit. For, for, that's a lot of uh, um, work that you're skipping as a jock's agent, as opposed to running a big stable like Kieran was. So I, I think he made a pretty good uh, career decision there. Absolutely. Well, um, we're 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 going to have the uh, the Ashland Stakes in here for the Phillies, and, and while there's no huge standout, uh, my eye was drawn to uh, you know uh, three horses in this race. Uh, uh, simply ravishing. Ken McPeak's ha- having an awful good year so far, and uh, you get Louis Saez back in the saddle. Uh, he won the first three races on this filly, including the Alcibiades at Keeneland, easily by six. Then you've got the undefeated Malafat, and I'm probably ruining that name of this million-dollar filly, um, but uh, this horse Three for three, hard to knock a horse who's been undefeated in its career, getting longer and longer, including a win at a mile and an eight. Joel Rosario uh, will be in the saddle there. And one of my favorites, John Kenton Court, will be aboard Will's Secret, who decided to take this route rather than stick around at Oak Lawn Park. Well, those are the three the three names. They will be the favorites in the Ashland, which is the ninth of 11 races on Saturday, John, and simply ravishing. Um, you know, she's going to be fresh off the layoff. So too is Malathot for, for Pletcher. Actually, Todd was going to run Malathot last Saturday in the Gulfstream Park Oaks, but there was a moratorium placed on the Shadwell stable horses uh, in the wake of the death of uh, Shikhamdan bin Rashid uh, Maktoum. So, uh, Todd didn't enter her in there. He waited the extra week for the Ashland. So both of those fillies are, are coming off lengthy layoffs. And I think as such, they will be a little more speedy than normal. They're, again, like the Bluegrass, there's not a whole lot of early speed in there. So I think that those two and the filly you mentioned, um, Will Secret, they will be among the front runners. I think one of them probably will win. And John Court, I, I, he and I go way back because uh, we're, we're old guys. And uh, I called him. <laughs> I called him a couple nights ago because one of my uh, superiors at the racing forum said, has a 60-year-old jockey ever won a grade one? And you think about it, John, not even Perry Utes, not even Willie, uh, who was a guy, uh, uh, Willie uh, Clark. What was the guy's name at, at Charlestown that rode years ago? He was like 69 when he retired. But anyway, him or Tony Black, none of them. So I think John, uh, John Court was really excited when I told him that we couldn't, uh, we never – we don't think that a 60-year-old jockey uh, has ever won a grade one. So he he's in with a good chance. He's 7-2 to two on the morning line. So that those are your essentially your favorites in the, in the grade one action on Saturday at Keeneland. Yeah, and as you know, Dallas Stewart, uh, you know, he's not always the leading trainer, but this guy has won some 
big ones over the years, you know, uh, and uh, th- there's no reason to think that Will Seeger couldn't uh, up jump, but it's going to be really interesting. So I don't know, in the old days, that regular guy used to say, you're going to bet I'm going to box him. That might be the way to go. And maybe you'll catch the longest price, uh, you know, hitting the hitting the board on this one. But uh, yeah, J- John's a friend of mine too. And uh, I've had him on as a guest talking about his comebacks from many injuries. And he does this rare thing. Uh, it's kind of a holistic thing called biohacking. And you basically mentally heal yourself and you convince your body that it's not 60, that it's 36. And obviously biohacking's worked pretty good for John Kenton Court because uh, he, he is riding like a 36-year-old. And I love the guy. He, he's just I'm, got a great, yeah. great yeah, attitude. He, you can't help but love him. I'm a huge fan of John Kenton Court. I mean, he's a, and by the way, the regular guy, I miss the regular guy's show. I, you had me on a handful of times, I think, over the years, and uh, I, I miss the old ice cream at the, <laughs> the old river dance and all that. But uh, yeah, John, uh, he was excited when I told him. He, he turned 60 in November, and uh, we could not find nor recall, or uh, I've had nobody uh, raise their hand objecting to the fact that I wrote that. Uh, there's never been a 60-year-old win a grade one, and here's John on, on one of the morning line favorites for the Ashland on Saturday. I think it's great. Well, Marty, I got a couple more minutes, and while I got one of my main men on the phone, uh, I, I want to tap you for the, the grade one Madison. This is this has always been a good race over the years, uh, seven furlongs, kind of a niche distance. And um, my eye is drawn to two horses in here. I'll, I'll lay the map and then you can rip it up. Um, and, and that's uh, Bell's the one. Uh, Neil Pesson, a guy that, uh, unless you know him personally, kind of flies under the radar. But he certainly got the job done uh, with this horse with 880000 in the bank from 15 lifetime starts. Uh, uh, finished third in this race uh, last year to uh, Garana and Mia Mischief. Uh, they were a pretty known uh, fillies in their own right. But again, going back to Handicapping 101, likes Keeneland, five starts, two wins, two thirds, and the rare seven furlong distance, two, two, and two from seven starts. Now, the upstarter, as always, a Wesley Ward trainee, Kamari, who broke its maiden on the main track at Keeneland when doesn't he? Um, it was April 25th of last year. And I got a question for you before you go. Did he win today's first race? But, um, anyhow, then Wesley, you know, he, he's not afraid to go on the road when he feels he's got a good one. All oh, the Munnings Phillies run great. And so, uh, Wesley Ward comes into the race with Kamari. Uh, I guess if there's a question mark, the horse has never gone seven furlongs. Yeah, she hasn't, John. Uh, she she broke her maiden as a two-year-old back in April of 2019 by 15 as a you know a huge favorite, and she hasn't done a lot wrong. But I I don't know if she's going to have the same kind of gas uh, as she has gotten older that number three Monday call for Brad Cox is going to have. Uh, she her race at Ellis Park last summer. I was there for that on for the Ottoman Oaks on the uh, Ellis Park Derby undercard. She was fabulous. She actually reminded me of. Kofefian winning that race. You got a hundred fire speed figure. And uh, I just think that Bell's the one and Sconson, number six, both coming out of the Breeders' Cup, they're going to need one. So you can look for those Phillies back in the Derby City Gaming on Derby Day. But I think as far as Saturday goes, 
Monday call at eight to one on the morning line, she might sneak away and and, and pay a, a bit of a price. Now, did Wesley Ward win the first two-year-old race this season so far? I don't know if he did because we haven't. This is Thursday, and they don't run again. If, if you got the crystal ball, I'd, I'd like to know if he's going to win the oh. first and the third on opening day. But yeah, but he has he does have the favorite in the, in the meet opener. The first race Friday, and then uh, he has the, the horse I like even more in the uh, in the third race. Uh, Rosario rides them both. All right, write that down, ladies and gentlemen. We're talking to Marty McGee. Marty got a, uh, another minute or so. Uh, have you uh, experienced, as someone who I know was handcuffed last year, uh, a little bit of loosening in the uh, the media department, so you've got a little more leverage leverage for access. A little bit. I mean, they're allegedly not letting us on the backside of Keeneland. I did kind of hang around on Monday morning around the racing office, and horsemen, you know, tend to go through that little spot there. But uh, I understand that it's not it's not as as bad. And uh, you know, again, as these weeks and months unfold, with everybody getting vaccinated, et cetera, John, uh, hopefully this is going to be a this too shall pass kind of kind of situation. Uh, I, I certainly hope so. Uh, I, I haven't even pressed the case because I know how uh, tight that they, that they were last year. Um, so uh, I, when you get to attend the races at Keeneland, I mean, I, the place I always saw you was up in the press box. Is that is that off limits? Or do, they, do they have a new place for the press? Uh, no, actually, they let us there for the Breeders' Cup. Uh, well, actually, for the fall meet and the Breeders' Cup, but it was in limited numbers, and there was only, you know, normally you'd squeeze in, what, 15 or 18 people on those long tables, and I think there were only about four or five last year. So I think total number of personnel in the, in the Keeneland Press Box is going to be, I think they told me, 18 invited guests, and, and uh, myself and Nicole Russo are among them, but uh, yeah, they, it, it is still real tight. I think the photographers have their own section, and uh, you know, hopefully, this is the last of this, John. I I hope so too. Well, Marty, it's great hearing your voice. I can't wait till I can see your smiling face again. Uh, I wish you nothing but good health and and picking winners at the windows, my friend. Always a pleasure, John Engelhart. Thanks for having me. All right. Uh, Eclipse Award-winning writer Marty McGee joins us. We go back a ways. And, yes, he used to be a regular on The Regular Guy Show. All right. We're going to take a quick break here, pay a few bills, and we come back. We're going to be with our friend Dan Illman. We're having two of the top handicappers from the Daily Racing Forum. I'm John Engelhart. You're listening to Winning Ponies. The Internet's number one talk station. Number one talk station. VoiceAmerica.com And they're off! What? Can't make it to the track? You can still get all the action with WinningPonies.com, the home of the Easy Win Form. The most accurate predictions on thoroughbreds, quarters, and Arabian horses at most American and Canadian tracks. Whether it be the Triple Crown, Breeders' Cup, Travers, Haskell, or your daily races, don't worry. Let WinningPonies.com make some money for you. If you think you've seen online TV before... 
Let us surprise you. VoiceAmerica.tv is online now. The leader in live internet talk radio has done it again. Multiple channels, a state-of-the-art viewing experience, live and on-demand programs streaming 24 hours a day. It's exactly what you want, when you want it. VoiceAmerica.tv. From health and wellness to business, sports, and everything in between. Discover our new world. Visit VoiceAmerica.tv now and experience the future of online television. VoiceAmerica.tv. Follow the Voice America Variety Channel on Twitter. Our hosts always have something to say, and we know that you do too. We tweet on today's hot topics, and you're welcome to follow us. Speak up and join in at Voice AM Variety. That's at Voice AM Variety. Streaming live, the leader in Internet talk radio, VoiceAmerica.com. You're tuned in to Winning Ponies with your host, John Inglehart, racing's regular guy. The phone lines are open and are toll-free, 1-866-472-5788, or send us an email at show at winningponies.com. John and our guests are looking forward to hearing from you. Have any tips or comments you'd like to share? Any questions we would be happy to answer? Contact us. Now, back to the show. Winning Ponies with John Inglehart. And with Dan Illman, uh, who uh, guides the uh, ship at DRF over the weekends and during all the big races. Dan, how have you been this winter? Listen, can't wait to get back to the racetrack like everybody else. Yeah. Now, what's, what's the story in New York? You know, I, I heard they're going to let, you know a modicum of people into uh, Saratoga. How are things downstate? Well, right now there's a little bit of a holdup in New York, uh, especially as it pertains to Aqueduct, because Aqueduct is an active COVID uh, testing site. So you go in there, you get your COVID vaccines. Uh, Aqueduct's not open for the public right now. I'm hoping maybe Belmont. I mean, that would really be a pick-me-up for horse players in New York to get back to the racetrack at beautiful Belmont Park. You know, it's, it's kind of a double-edged sword for racing because uh, I understand that uh, as far as people watching racing and uh, betting through ADWs, uh, that the sport's uh, taking a shot to the tune of something like 139%. Well, sure. I mean, you, you know, you, you want to get back on track. I mean, that's, that's where a lot of the action is. That's where you can grab a casual fan and bring them in, and they can have a day at the races where they can play through the windows. Um I'm hoping that things slowly return to normal and people get used to going back to the racetrack and playing. It's easy to play from home. It's more fun, obviously, as you know, to get back to the racetrack. So hopefully, uh, as things normalize, uh, we can get everyone back to the track. There's nothing like being at the racetrack, the atmosphere, uh, seeing the horses, the fun, etc. That's true, but I, I really like the fact that for guys like me that live in the Midwest, uh, Fox Sports 2... Uh, have done a great job in, in covering the New York racing. And as you talked about, you know, bringing new people in, they've done a pretty good job of explaining the sport, not talking over people's heads when they're talking about some of these races. 
Well, that's very, very important because, again, not only do they want to get uh, new people involved in racing, they want to get new people to sign up for their betting accounts, and I think they've done a very, very good job. Uh, the production values are exceptional. It's a tough sell racing on television because if you're only handling one track, as you know, it's 30, 35 minutes between races on some of these big days. That's a lot of filler, but they have done a nice job with the features, the handicapping, mixing a little bit of everything for the uh, the uh, everyday player that wants a little more analysis as well as the the newbie that's just trying to learn, learn how to plunk down $2. Well, I, I've, I've been watching the Wood Memorial since I uh, was wearing knickers. Uh, <laughs> now, I, I didn't get to see Nashua or Bold Ruler win the race, but I did get to see uh, Bold Forbes, Seattle Slough, Easy Goer, a very, very uh, prestigious race. It's going to be a mile and a quarter, so we're asking some of these horses to do uh, something they've done, uh, have not done before. And unlike the bluegrass, where essential quality is a standout, you seem to have a little bit more of a mixed bag there at Aqueduct on Saturday. Oh, it's a good field. I think the horses in New York are still trying to sort themselves out as to the divisional leader. I think we're seeing the same thing out in Southern California now that the, the big Baffert horse life is good is out. I don't think we're going to see a Seattle slew come out of the Wood Memorial this week, but it's an evenly matched race. Chad Brown has two uh, risk uh, taking who's just blossoms and stretching out to nine furlongs and crowded trade who's a little inexperienced in green, but getting better with every start. There are contenders and you can make a case for about five or six. I mean, prevalence is going to take a lot of money, and he hasn't even raced in a stake before. <laughs> no, he hasn't. Uh, Brendan Walsh, but hey, he's never done anything wrong. Uh, two for two. His first race, he won uh, uh, handily. And, and if you watched his last optional claimer there at Gulfstream, going from seven furlongs to a mile, albeit, I believe, one turn, um, Brendan Walsh had Tyler Gaffleyone work him out well past the wire. And that was a smart thing to do. Prevalence after he won his maiden, they wanted to run him in one of the major races down in South Florida, whether it was the Holy Bull or the Fountain of Youth. And he got sick after his maiden race. So they backed off and they ran him in that much easier spot. He was 1-10. to 10. And you got to get fitness. If you're going to go to the Kentucky Derby, you want to log furlongs. And I like that they worked him a little bit past the wire. That race didn't take anything out of him. He didn't beat anything. But it was a good good looking a professional solid performance and you got even more experience working him after the race came up with a bullet the other day he gets the acid test from a class standpoint he gets the distance test he stretches out for the first time well i, I again i really like you know because you used to see it in old times when you know trainers would tell the jack whatever happens work him out strong past the wire because uh we're going after a big game in our next race now take us back uh you got a good chance to watch and analyze the gotham and you alluded to the fact that crowded trade may have been a little green i i saw that uh he, he did you know grab the lead there and then it was kind of a it was a that's a hell of a race it was a ding-dong battle down to the wire but then the tote board flashed and Weyburn 47 to one uh they weren't giving this horse uh, too much on on the stretch out what, what was it uh, that impressive or when you alluded to crowded trade being green was there something he did that besides bobbling at the start uh that may have cost him that stretch run well, when you watch the race turning into the stretch, you think crowded trade can't lose. 
He's looming up outside of Weyburn. Weyburn is flailing away on his left lead. Crowded trade just looks Weyburn at the eye with all the momentum at the 316th pole, and he figured he's going to be on his way to win. And for one reason or another, he hung or he looked out at the stands or Weyburn was tough or maybe a combination of all three. Crowded trade just couldn't get by. And I think he needs to focus a lot better as he's stretching out to a mile and an eighth. Now, again, that was only his second lifetime start, and he was stretching out from six furlongs to a mile. He's going to have to focus a lot better. I think if you look at the good things with crowded trade, it was only his second lifetime start, and he popped a 95 buyer's breed for a year. That's pretty good. But Weyburn, as you mentioned, he was 46 to 1 in that race. Crowded trade really should have gone by him, not taking anything away from Weyburn. He was extremely gain. Both of those horses are just going to have to to do it again in my eyes now. This is a tougher field at a longer distance. Crowded trade, I think, does have upside potential. But, wow, you watch that race again, and you're still scratching your head, figuring out how he was able to snatch defeat from the jaws of victory. (laughs) I love that saying. Um, uh, Let's touch on on, on, on two others in here. Uh, The New York bred Brooklyn Strong, and can we throw out Candyman Rocket and maybe get a price in the exotics. I don't know what the heck happened in the Tampa Bay Derby, but this horse looked like he was going in the right direction by the time he won the Sam Davis. Trained by Hall of Famer Bill Mott, hard to just ignore him. And it's a good sign that Mott continues on because you're absolutely right. This horse didn't do anything in the Tampa Bay Derby. Uh, I was in a little bit tight going into the first term, but then he got to the outside and in the clear, and he backed up. He did not run well at all. The Sam F. Davis was a good race. I wonder how strong that field was uh, at the end of the day. Um, I know that Known Agenda was fifth, and I know he came back to win his next two, including the Florida Derby last week. But I'm just not trusting the horses that did their damage in the Sam F. Davis or the Tampa Bay Derby. You watch the Sam F. Davis. It was a very fast, early, slow, late race. Candyman Rocket came home in glacial time. I'm not sure about a mile and an eighth for him. I think he'll be aggressively ridden. I'm a little bit more bullish on Brooklyn Strong, despite the fact that we haven't seen him in about four months. When we did last see him, he was a two-year-old during a 94 buyer speed figure at this distance over this track in the Remsen. And I thought he looked pretty good beating known agenda that day. Now, after that race, they wanted to run him in the Withers to kick off his three-year-old campaign. He got very sick. He lost a lot of weight. And then the weather's just been so lousy here that he missed training time and he couldn't get to the Gotham. So he's running nine furlongs in the wood off of a very long layoff. It's not an easy ask. But I just like everything this horse did last year. I think he's got a good amount of ability. I think Danny Velasquez is a very underrated trainer based at Parks. Good inside post. Brooklyn Strong at six to one is a horse I'm gonna I'm gonna I'm gonna play and fool around with a little bit. Yeah, I mean Danny Velasquez. I got to admit I don't know much about him, but I do know his stats so far this year are 29 percent in the win column, and it's hard to ignore that. Well, let's take a look at the ladies. Um, the, the Gazelle. This is a mile and eighth, and you think of some of the runs some great fillies have made in this in the 70s, Dan. And don't let me bore you with history, but I love it. Uh, you had you had Susan's Girl, uh, uh, uh Pearl Necklace with my friend Steve Cawthon up, Tempest Queen, and Love Sign. Then it took a little hiatus, and then the 90s and 94, you had Heavenly Prize, 95, Serena's Song, 96, My Flag, 99, Silver Bullet Day. Man, some top fillies can come out of the nine furlong gazelle. 
No, that is a tremendous list of names, Hall of Famers, top Phillies. And again, I'm not sure we're going to see one of those coming out of the gazelle. We are going to see a likely heavy favorite at post time in the eight search results, who's a perfect two for two in her career. But I'd be cautious. I think that you have to respect her. I don't want to knock her too much. Hard to knock any horse that's undefeated. But she's going to try two turns for the first time, breaking from the far outside post. I think she's fortunate that she's not catching the strongest gazelle in the world. But if you want to try to take a small stab against her, I think you can. There are some interesting other horses in this race. And please educate us, Dan Elman, from the Daily Racing Forum. Well, the four-army wife is interesting to me. She really doesn't have a a very sexy form, so to speak. She started her career on turf to no avail. But ever since Mike Maker put her on the dirt, she stepped forward with each and every start. And last time out, she had to work very hard on the outside to beat a rail skimmer that was able to save all of the ground. Now, distance is going to be a question for most of these fillies. Uh, She's never gone a mile and an eighth. She's never gone two turns on the dirt in her life. She's very steady and she has tactical speed. And I think if you're looking for a horse to try to get a better setup than last time, the other Chad Brown train runner, the number five, the grass is blue, is someone you should consider. She wanted a mile and an eighth in the Busan to two starts back. And last time out, she was beaten by search results. But that was a race where the pace completely held up. You look at those fractions, 49 and 3 for a half mile in a one-mile race. Closers were up against it, to be sure. And the grass is blue, tried to come from next to last. It was really a difficult situation for her. The pace should be better. The distance is better. Consider the grass is blue. Maybe I'll take Army Wife as my top selection in here. Uh, Search results, the horse to beat. But again, you're taking a short price on a horse doing something that it's never done before. That's go two turns. Very interesting. Uh, You know, if you could throw out a favorite... That's uh, the day you want to you want to go to the window for sure. That's the Gazelle Stakes. It'll be ninth. It'll be run at five twenty, and then uh, another race uh, that has a lot of history to it. I won't go as back as much as I did with the other ones, but just names that will rhyme with everybody: Tom Fool, Bold Ruler, In Reality, and two times in the mid seventies, one of my favorites for go have won this race. And most of those horses, since it's kind of early in the season, use the Carter as a seven for a long race to go on and do bigger and better things going around the ground. Absolutely right. Usually a prep race, amazing for a grade one with such history, but a prep race perhaps for the prestigious Metropolitan Handicap going a one turn at Belmont. And then if you run well there, or if you don't run well there, you have options. You either stretch out or you turn back in distance. The Carter, as you mentioned, a historically important race. It's a shame we only got a field of five for this year's edition. And it's an intriguing matchup. You've got Chateau, who is just Blossom. This was a horse that was running for a $32,000 tag last summer. He's won his last two races. He hasn't been headed in any of those starts, and he blew him away in the Tom Fool handicap last time out. He could be the lone speed in here. I'm just not sure I trust him going seven furlongs. I trust mischievous Alex Moore, and he has come back off of a long layoff for Safi Joseph, seeing dead red. I, I, I liked his Gulfstream sprint last time out. It was not a strong feel, but he did what he had to do. He got up there in between horses, took over and went about his business. The key to the race is mind control because we know he can do it. He's a multiple grade one stakes winner. He absolutely loves Aqueduct. 
This is a horse, though, that hasn't won a race uh, since last year's Tom Fool. I mean, he's on a six-race losing streak, which is somewhat odd because early in his career is nothing if not a beacon of consistency. His last race at Gulfstream was okay. It was a speed-flavoring track. Uh, I think maybe it worked against him a little bit, but he showed a bit of life. On his best, mind control can win. If, you just, if the morning line odds are correct, 4-1 to one is a good price on mind control. Uh, I think mischievous Alex, though, the 4 is the horse to beat. Very interesting. Dan, you can make a five-horse field sound like it's the Kentucky Derby. You come up with angles all over. Well, we, we've uh, we still got, we got, got a few minutes. Let's take a step back and look at uh, the landscape of, of uh, the races that you've had to sh- see this year, uh, everywhere from Santa Anita to, to Gulfstream Park. Uh, leave me with some of... Uh, Dan Elman's impressions of horses we need to keep an eye out for as we gear up to May 1st, it will be this year. I have so many horses to keep an eye out for in so many different divisions. I think the three-year-old fillies, they're a really interesting group right now, and they're led by two horses down at the fairgrounds on dirt, and that's Travel Column, who won the Fairgrounds Oaks, and Clary Air, who beat Travel Column in the prior race. I believe that was the Rachel Alexandra. They're two excellent fillies, and you're going to hear from them in the Kentucky Oaks. Here's a name that maybe a lot of folks have forgotten about because we haven't seen her since the Breeders' Cup. Her name is Aunt Pearl and she's trained by Brad Cox, and she was tremendous on turf last year, winning the Breeders' Cup Juvenile Phillies turf. She's back on the work tab. Keep an eye on her because I think she has some exceptional qualities. And another filly that maybe I think is going to have a nice campaign on the turf, she's four years old now. Her name is Harvey's Lil Goyle. She was third yeah. in the Breeders' Cup Philly and Mare turf. She's breezing now at Payson Park for trainer Bill Mott. Mean Mary is back on the work tab for uh, Graham Motion. Civil Union is back on the work tab for Suge McGahee. These are all older turf females that are getting into the swing of things. And how about this for a surprise entrant on Sunday at Santa Anita? Gamine is probably going oh. to be 1-20. to 20. She's back in the entries in a grade 3. Bob Baffert trying to get a prep race in a herb. Maybe we'll then see her in the Derby Day Distaff at Churchill Downs. I did get to watch her work out about a week ago, and she sure doesn't look like uh, she's lost anything energy-wise. But uh, I I did not know that she was uh, uh, race-ready at this point in time, Dan. Um, Well, this weekend we got, uh, you know, the the, the Santa Anita Derby coming up. I I still got two minutes to tap your uh, brain. And, uh, of course, Baffert hoping for the 10th win. But there's no such thing as, as as a sure thing. we got 10 horses going to post in the Santa Anita Derby. There is no such thing as a sure thing, especially in this field. And again, Baffert got uh, a real blow to the stable when life is good, was injured, and is out of the Triple Crown Series. Good news for Medina Spirit, who chased life is good in both the Sham and the San Felipe. He doesn't have to deal with that one when he walks into the paddock. And I think Medina Spirit is probably the most likely winner of the San Felipe. He finished ahead of three of these horses when he was second to life is good last time out in the San Felipe. If you don't love that horse and you're trying to make, uh, make do with perhaps a, a little bit of a long shot, or if you didn't like the last race that they come out of, 
here are a couple of interesting options. Think about the number eight, law professor, who's likely going to be a big price in here. Law professor goes out for Mike McCarthy. They put blinkers on him and stretched him out for the first time. He was 20 to 1 in a maiden race. I thought he looked pretty good winning that race. And if you don't believe this is a vintage edition of the Santanita Derby, I don't see any reason why this horse at 10 to 1 on the morning line can't take another step forward. And everyone talks about the other Baffert. That's sort of like a weird little angle in Southern California, the better priced Baffert. The number 10 defunded is stretching out for the first time. His last race was his first race since August, and he just blew them away. Joel Rosario never moved a muscle on him. He rallied from off the pace going six furlongs. Baffert's showing a lot of confidence stretching him out from six to nine in his first start against winners. Maybe defunded. Tough post. Post 10 can pull off a bit of an upset. Medina Spirit's the horse to beat. Not a very, uh, unfortunately, not a very great price on him. No, but uh, yeah, as any horse player has watched, a lot of times when Baffert's got two horses in a race, you take the horse with the longer odds and you can come away with a pretty good ticket. It is kind of a remarkable angle that we say. I know it's very frustrating to the chalkies out there. All right. Well, Dan, it has been a pleasure. It's been too long since we heard you on these airwaves. Uh, real quick, got 30 seconds left. Tell our listeners, they say, boy, I really like that guy. How could I see him almost on a daily basis? Where do they go? Please go to the Daily Racing Forum YouTube channel. Subscribe. We've got videos for just about everybody, and you can watch our videos at video.drf.com. All right, Dan Elman, thank you so much for joining us. Have a, a great lead up to the Derby, and perhaps we'll talk to you before then. Looking forward to it, John. Always great talking to you. All right, Dan Elman from the Daily Racing Forum, Marty McGee from the Daily Racing Forum, and I don't know where I start with the credentials for the one and the only Ed Meyer. Pretty much he's done everything, literally from parking cars to calling races to being an odds maker and a racing official. So uh, we'll close the show out. I just want to remind you, big week. Pull down the easy win forms at winningponies.com. I'm John Engelhart. Thanks for joining us. And remember, when you go to the races, bet with your head, not over it. Thanks for listening to Winning Ponies with John Englehart. We hope the information from today's show will benefit you at the next post. Join us for more insight next Thursday at 8 p.m. Eastern Time, 5 p.m. Pacific, on the Voice America Variety Channel. Also, look for our weekly newsletter. Have a great week. And may your photos always be winners.